We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. friends welcome to pod mavericks after dark i'm kirk henderson joined as always by josh bow we are also editors over at mavs moneyball you are joining us at about 9 50 on saturday november 18th the dallas mavericks fell to the milwaukee bucks closing out their four game road trip uh losing 130 to 125 how you doing josh i'm doing pretty good uh saturday night i feel like that game wrapped up faster than i, oh. I expected so you know it- it's not 10 o'clock yet at local time, so we're, we're, we're riding high. The way that first half cooked with 11 total fouls, I thought it was going to be a real short game. Um, mm-hmm. But then the Bucks kind of pressed the effort and, and really got to the free throw line a ton in the, the fourth quarter, which stretched out the game. Um, for those who are who are you know watching and maybe don't know what happened, the Dallas Mavericks and Milwaukee Bucks played a really entertaining game. Uh, low fouls in the first half, a lot of back and forth. It was 60 to 58 at halftime. Um, Luka Doncic was playing pretty well. He had like a kind of an incandescent first quarter and kind of a brain fart second quarter. Um, Kyrie Irving started off one of eight and then couldn't miss for the better part of two and a half quarters. Really remarkably entertaining performance from him. Just un- incredible circus shots. Just, just really it's a Kyrie experience, really something. Um, unfortunately, during the fourth quarter, uh, the Mavericks, despite having a double-digit lead, gave up an 11-0 run, which during the run, the Mavericks, and I'm, I'm really curious for your take on this, Josh, but during the run, the Mavericks continued to get good shots in the flow of their offense, and nothing would fall. I think they missed three or four threes where the defender closed late, and then the ball just didn't drop. Uh, Jason Kidd called a timeout when they were down one. And I think it was like on a, like right before Giannis's pair of free throw, no Luca pair of free throws, which they're up one Luca gets fouled. He misses both free throws. Derek lively 
fouls Giannis on the second free throw miss. Giannis hits two, and the Bucks never trail again. Um, I think a lot of people were really mad about this game, and it's funny. I got a couple of messages to the effect of people assuming I'd be mad, but there things went wrong at the wrong time. And then I'm looking at what really went wrong for the Mavericks, like throughout the game. And it really felt like a coin flip. What did you think, man? Yeah. I thought this was like objectively a very entertaining game. If you Mm -hmm. didn't have a rooting interest, like it was just up and down, even with the free throws in the fourth quarter. I mean, Milwaukee shot 20, the Mavericks shot 10. So there weren't a lot of fouls called. There weren't a lot of turnovers. Milwaukee had six. Dallas had 12. Uh, Milwaukee with six turnovers, probably one of the big reasons they won the game because, you know, Mavericks just couldn't get them, couldn't get their offense uh, frustrated at all. Um, the fourth quarter was tough. The Mavericks missed five corner threes in the fourth quarter. And when you think about it, the corner three, um, actually, no, they made one. They went one for six from corner three in the fourth quarter. And when you think about it, like corner three is like outside of a layup, that's the most optimal shot in basketball for the most part. And they missed they missed five of them. Uh, Grant Williams missed two of them. He's been one of their best three-point shooters all season. He also missed two above the break. So 0 for 4 from three from Grant in the fourth. Yeah, yeah that's, that's part of your coin flip game. You make half of those threes um, and, you know, it's a completely different game. So... On that end of it, that sucks. It sucks to get bit by the, the shooting variance bug uh, down the stretch when it's been such a closely yep. competitive game all the way through. But there are definitely things that we can talk about that that aren't just shooting variants that led to them losing. Um, number one of which they just, you know, it's same song, uh, different verse. Uh, they could not keep an opposing team away from the rim. Uh, and that just kind of cost them throughout the night that they bled buckets in the paint at the rim all night, which is not surprising when you're doing it against Giannis. A lot of teams bleed, bleed paint points when you're playing against Giannis. That's not just a Maverick specialty, but they could not get consistent stops throughout the game. Uh, and I think, you know, they probably should have had a bigger lead at moments throughout the game. If their defense was, passable and it just tonight yeah i the honest of it all i I felt like they made a bit of a business decision where if he got within five feet on a drive like if they hadn't gotten him to switch uh hands or spin or something like that if he had a head of steam it felt like there was a bit of a business decision going on where the mavericks just decided to get out of the way I mean, a bucks couple of bucks guys that i follow were bitching about Giannis's free throws i'm like the mavericks didn't really hit him he just kind of like he'd get under the basket and lay it up like it was a a YMCA game. I wish Giannis shot more free throws in this game. I know <laughs> that would have been better um, than and, all the dunks and layups he had. And so, like that was a little interesting. And like the first half had some really, like again, there just weren't a lot of fouls called. And I think like some of our fans are very frustrated about the refereeing in the fourth quarter. Luca was obviously frustrated with the refing in the second quarter. Um, I think Luca's game in particular was one sort of worthy of, of like hyper analysis because in the f- second quarter, he was basically trying to foul bait and was not getting calls because the Bucks were playing like extreme drop coverage. And so, again, I'm thinking back to a guy this summer who asked us to sort of explain that a little more. Essentially, the center, who's the help defense, is backing up as far as possible and, and daring Luca to take a mid range shot. Because it's not like Luca's coming downhill like LeBron James with the head of steam. It's it's right. 
it's a bit of a defensive scheme that's if if you have a decent mid-range shooter, it doesn't work. Well, Luca adapted in the third quarter, which I was really I'm not like surprised that Luca adapted, but sometimes Luca's so damn stubborn that he just doesn't take the easy shots. And he's <laughs> yeah. hunting for the difficult ones. And he connected on so many mid-range jumpers in the third and fourth quarter where he just looked outstanding. And then it was just, it was really, you know, it wasn't surprising, but it was really disappointing to see him miss two free throws when he had been a mid-range sniper all game long. I understand he was mad about some of the calls. I mean, the Bucks play a kind of defense where they're just, they're so big and so many guys are straight up. You're just, you're not going to get a lot of calls. It's it's just the nature of it. I mean, Derek Jones Jr. ran into that headlong, who he probably had his worst game as a Maverick going 0 for 7 for the field because he was forcing the issue and the Bucks kept swatting him at the rim. It was, it was really, I mean, th- this game, I, I, I don't, I more take away a lot of, of like when they play these, these really good teams, the really, really good teams, the teams you expect to be good, your nuggets, your Celtics, your, um, uh, your bucks, obviously I I'm as a measuring stick game. The main thing I came away with that this one was a coin flip game and the Mavericks still aren't big enough. Like that just kind of big picture takeaways. Like, that the shooting variant stuff, which came at the wrong time, but I thought the process was good. I just, I, I'm, I'm not as a guy who's prone to bullshit, insane overreactions. I'm kind of just like, this was annoying, and I wish they would have won. But if they would have, if they would have won with kind of how the the Bucks stormed back, it would have felt lucky. Yeah, and this was yeah, it's a weird game because it's you look at the aggregate. I think I tweeted about this. Like, it's not a bad like losing to the Bucks at home when you're competitive with them every quarter, like it's not like there was never a moment. The Mavericks were out of this game. I mean, it, it was back and forth all the way. Like these were like a, like Chuck Cooperstein said, I heard a little bit of the radio broadcast. He was like, you know, this is a price fight, two teams trading haymakers. Like it was really one of those types of games. Um, so you can't be too mad about a loss. Like there's nothing really to hang your head, losing to the bucks at home in, the, in one of these kind of games. Other hand, Bucks were on the second night of back to back. That that and, part sucks. And the, and they had and they looked they did not look tired in the fourth, which was not fair for the Mavericks. It looked like so that part stunk. Um, no Chris Middleton. I've had people tell me that 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 was actually a plus for the Mavericks, but I mean, I'm, like Middleton's I, lost the ability to dribble this I, year. That's, I understand, and, and they kind of force things through him sometimes. Yeah, I, he's, I, he's a legacy player. Yeah, I understand that, but I think still at the end of the day, you'd rather have him than not if you're Milwaukee. Um, and 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 you know you had a double digit lead in the fourth and you and you lost the game, that's tough. That's that makes it that makes the sting a little bit more. Um, so I can understand both ways. I can understand someone looking at this game and be like, you know, this is not a bad result, and then I can understand people being frustrated because just anytime you lose a ten a double digit fourth quarter lead, that's just it's very frustrating as a fan. But process wise, I thought this game was interesting because I feel like the Mavericks made more in game adjustments in this game than I'd seen. Like in the games combined uh, this season, um, the first half was hilarious. They were guarding Giannis like tight, like he was catching the ball at the three point line or near the elbow, and, and, and he's just and they're right up in yeah, they're right up in his airspace. And I was just like, why? And, and he was just taking one dribble and scoring layups because he's he's Giannis. Uh, so that was pretty weird. Like, I was like, why, you know, why are you guarding him so tight? You want him to shoot, you know, anything outside the paint that he shoots is a win. And then in the second half, I thought they did a much better job where they basically, whoever was guarding Giannis was basically in the paint almost the entire second half, I felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, really Giannis had 40. He, I mean, the way the first, first quarter, first half was going, I thought he was going to have like 60. So I again, think he it, only had four in the second quarter. And that was, I mean, he ended up with 40, obviously. So he had a big fourth quarter, yeah. but it was, he was, it, it definitely stymied him for a period of time. He, he had a bad he third quarter. He, yeah. He only had two, two makes in the third quarter. And that's when I thought the Mavericks had their best defensive quarter because they adjusted. They had, they basically had Grant in the paint and then they have Lively as a Rover. And, and basically they didn't let Giannis get easy layups. They were like, you can take a, a mid range from the free throw line. You could take a three pointer, but you're not just going to lay it up at the rim all night against us. And, and, it, and it definitely affected him. And then I think in the fourth quarter, the bucks then adjusted, maybe got him on the move a little bit. Didn't just have him line drive straight to the basket. Yeah. Um, and Lively not being there definitely, you know, cause he was that, that help defender that I think impacted Giannis a little bit in the third quarter. Lively's foul trouble, I think, made that a little bit easier for him. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, Kirk, Giannis was 14 of 14 at the at the rip tonight. Um, that's pure Giannis. That was a pure Giannis game. And again, like you said, Mavericks are just too small. I think takeaway, big picture takeaway from this game, um, which is not, this is not a piping hot take. Like this is not a original or unique take for me, is I think for the Mavericks to get to where they want to go, which might not be this season, which is okay. You can't fix everything in one summer. I think the ultimate goal is that Grant Williams needs to be the three and not the four. They really, okay. really need they really need to get that other wing position to be a player bigger than Grant, I think. Sure. Grant's six five. We've yeah. talked about this. <laughs> he's he's not that much bigger than Kyrie. Like it's yeah. it's just a thing. Um one and just to kind of get this out of the way, because I don't think this was why they lost. But the fact that Luca and Kyrie shot eight free throws and Damian Lillard shot ten was unfortunate. Um, I like this was a game for me. There were a couple of shots in the third and fourth quarter where I thought Luca got fouled. Luca's like th- this is paying for past sins. No other way around it. Dame Lillard is a foul merchant of the highest order. Like he just gets the most bullshit calls because he weighs one hundred and eighty five pounds. Like it's not fair. It's the way the game is refed. Luca as a tank is not going to get the calls that Dame is going to get. It's maddening. Dame, and same, same with time, like Giannis. Giannis is so big that refs call him. To, you know, remember Dwight Howard yeah. used to never get for calls fouled on him because guys would bounce off of him, and it's like so, well, yeah. they're, they're still hitting him. Yeah. <laughs> Just it's, because it's, he can tank it doesn't mean it's not a foul. That's right. And and so I understand that. I don't yeah. think it was why the Mavericks lost the game. There was a back. There was a two play sequence that was pretty brutal where Damian Lillard rose and fired on a three-point attempt that missed, but they called a foul on Kyrie. And at first glance, it looked kind of nonsense. But then I they showed the replay from like three different angles. And Kyrie had his, like, it's a foul by definition because basically the further away from the rim you are at the NBA, the more likely they are to call a foul. It drives me fucking crazy. Um, but it, like by definition, it is a foul. And then I was like one or two possessions later, Tim Hardaway got bulldozed in the fourth quarter on, or I'm sorry, in the left corner, uh, on a three point attempt to a no call. That was a pretty painful bang, bang swing again, not why they lost. Just it's, it's one of these things where you don't, if the margins that tight, it's a little maddening. Um, what else? (laughs) Um, I thought, you know, Luke and Kyrie had a great game together. Obviously, yeah. Kyrie's second half was incredible. Before I get to how great it was, I do want to point out that Luca's second quarter was really disappointing. Yeah. Um, and I think people are going to be mad at me because 
I'm not talking about his great stat line, 35, 9, and 9, three turnovers. He was really good. He was outside of that second quarter. I mean, he was it was almost a perfect game from him. He was yeah. really good. You mentioned it. I thought he adjusted well in the second half where they were giving him the mid-range and he finally took it. Um, he was really well balanced offensively. Um, I think he was forcing the issue a little bit with his passing in the first half, and I thought he made much cleaner reads in the second. So, again, overall, he played a great game. But there was that moment in the second quarter when the Bucks went on a run, and it was just like – we got zapped back to last season, Luca, where it was just like him standing with his arms up in the air while nine other players are, have already crossed half court before he does. And the team scoring fast break points. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who hit the corner three. Uh, I think it was AJ green hit a corner three in the second quarter. Yeah. That was, you know, Luca was almost barely leaving the other paint, like not, you know, the backcourt paint. And like, there were all, four of the five bucks had already crossed half court. The only one that hadn't was Brooke Lopez, the seven foot center. And Luca was barely ahead of him. And the bucks got a really easy corner three off of that transition opportunity. And that was really frustrating because he started the game defensively really well. And again, I know people are probably going to be mad that I'm maybe picking on Luca here, but again, he's the best player. And when he shows the ability to do it, it does the moments when he does it. I don't know. It just stands out a little bit more. It just felt like they kind of let go of the rope there in that second quarter when it looked like they could have a team on the second out of a back-to-back. You're looking for moments to kind of throw the the killing blow. Um, and they didn't, you know, the Bucks, you know, they just couldn't uh, take control of the game in the first half the way they could have. Granted, they did it in the third quarter. Um, but I feel like they basically, they could have had back-to-back great quarters if they were just a little bit more engaged across the board. So that was a little disappointing, but. But yeah, that Kyrie second half was outrageous. Yeah. I there's some chatter in the comments um about fans, and I this is not the first time I've heard this. I, I think there are a lot of fans that wish Kyrie was a little more aggressive early on. I would argue he was aggressive. Things just didn't go. And you know, because <laughs> he needs to be a little more aggressive when he's the only when Luca's on the bench. Yes. He defers a little bit too much when he's the sole star on the floor, I think. Yes. Yeah. And and it's difficult because guys like we've talked about this and it'll be a recurring thing. His foot thing is not going away. And I, you know, we were talking in our slack during the first half, first quarter and a half or so like, Oh, well, you know, maybe his foot's just hurting him. It's not going to have mm-hmm. it tonight. That's going to be, that's going to be a bit of a challenge. Um, not really, not really much you can do there. Mm-hmm. He played, he played really well. I think, you know, if, if I'm going to be super nitpicky, Luca didn't defer to him enough in the fourth quarter when he was the one making shots. There was like a two possession thing where Luca took shots, including a long, like almost 17 footer from the left corner that didn't make any damn sense to me. But again, we're like parsing individual possessions. And I think the two played, played pretty well together. The Luca defense thing is interesting because he, he played really good defense for a quarter, played really bad defense for a quarter, and then resumed playing really pretty good defense. Yeah. He's figured out, um, He's figured out the eh, figured out strong. He is playing isolation possessions with a hell of a lot more gusto than he ever has before. And I think he'll continue to be tested all year because he's Luca and you know, when he's off, he's awful. But if he continues to give this kind of effort, the Maverick, it's it's making a difference, is is where I'm going. I, I I'm very pleased with that. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, this this game was really reminiscent of that Philly game last season when they yeah. were both they both scored over 40 and one. They just weren't able to close it this time. Um, but this was, you know, a game that you watch and you're like, okay, you know, I see it. They might not be the best roster in the NBA, but you look at these two and it's, it's like, an okay, on, on, on any given night, like these two could go supernova and it doesn't matter how good the other team is. They're going to have a chance to win it because these are two of the best offensive players in basketball. So yeah, um, that's like a fun cheat code. Like it papers over a lot of warts. It papers over your starting one of your starting forwards missing all seven of his shots. Um, Mm -hmm. It papers over, you know, one of your other key uh, young players, you know, basically playing invisible for 19 minutes. It papers over the fact that you don't have any rim protection when your 19 year old rookie hits the bench, which is an outrageous thing to say, because I cannot believe how much is on Derek Lively's shoulders right now. Um, So like, yeah, it's pretty incredible that they're able to keep them in these kind of games when you consider the flaws that the roster still has, even after last summer, which was great, it just kind of shows there's still there's still room to work there. Um, but yeah, do you want to talk about li- like Lively was? I mean, there were some moments there where I was like, this might be end up being his best game of the season. Just unfortunately, I think the foul trouble just didn't let him let him do it. I, I do want to make a note of something because in the YouTube comments here, as we're going live, Nako in the chat says up eleven at the seven minute mark and Kyrie goes out. Luca needs to find a way in that situation to get some good points, meaning scoring. Luca is awesome, but he has to make sure the team gets some points. I'm looking at the game log now, as I'm sure Nako is as well. We have a Grant Williams, twenty five foot missed three pointer. Grant Williams, twenty three foot missed three pointer. Uh, Luka Doncic missed jump shot. Um, Josh Green missed 23-foot three-pointer. Grant Williams missed 23-foot three-pointer. It was a two-minute stretch, and they just couldn't find a bucket. And Kid got uh, um, uh, Kyrie back in there. And, yeah, I mean, that was the game. It was it was maddening, but that, that was the game um, where, where things went decided. I'm not necessarily sure. I mean, sometimes things just go to hell, you know. Um, it was it was it was a fr- like there's just elements of this game where if you overthink it, the more frustrated you get with it, and sometimes things just go sideways. Um, I haven't done my normal. I, I usually at about the ten to fifteen minute mark do my normal. Hey guys, go ahead and uh, like this uh, live stream. It's very helpful to us. If you could do that, I would appreciate it. Uh, if you could also consider subscribing to our show, we go live uh, at least after every game, one of these shows, and then I host a, a fan show, as everybody knows, where you guys can come talk about basketball. Um, with me after this i'm going to do that one tonight because i'm rather awake for some reason um it was it was it's fun to talk after these losses it's more productive to talk to your fellow man than it is to get on twitter to go to reddit and do that sort of thing you talk a little basketball basketball talking is fun even when we are upset about the game and we can laugh about it we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay. I don't know how to talk about this last thing. Do you? Do we have to talk about Josh Green? I mean, we like we have to, man. <laughs> Can we just repeat terrible. what we said? Last game and the game before and the game before that. I mean, I kind of running out of what to say about I mean, him. He played 20 minutes. He came off the bench. He was a negative 27 in 20 minutes. <laughs> you can't assign the game faults to him, but he's such a non-contributor that <sighs> I'm running out of reasons to, to say it's not all his fault. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing is, and I'm going to be a broken record because I feel like I said this last game um, and the game before that. Last season, his shooting was an outlier. I mean, incandescently Um, hot. I mean, this is a guy that had like an 80 true shooting percentage, like going into Christmas, like something around that. Like it was, it was, sorry, I keep having to take my glasses off because my room is a little steamy. So I keep fogging up my glasses. Um it, he, he, there was no way in hell he was going to replicate his shooting from last season. It was just way too improbable, and he wasn't going to improve on it because if he improved on it, he would basically be like freaking Dr. Manhattan hovering above the planet. Like, there is no way he was going to be able to, to be better than that. Um, so really, you know, some people might be like, well, you know, he's not a score. You know, like, don't like I'm not being hard on him or not disappointed in him because his shooting and and his scoring has fallen back down to earth a little bit. Like Mm. that doesn't factor into my evaluation of him at all. I had it built in. I I was like, he's probably going to take a slight step back on offense because that shooting last season was just absurd to me. The thing that's just really troubling to me is the defensive regression is shocking. Like it's, it's not just that he's not better than he was last season. He looks worse defensively than last season. And this is his fourth year. And he's he's supposed to be on the floor to play defense. Like, the offense is a bonus. Like, yeah, it was really cool when Luke and Kyrie were out last season. And he looked like, um, you know, like uh, Paul George Jr. in some of those games where he was scoring 23 points and, and running dribble handoffs and almost acting like an offensive hub. 
And I was like, yeah, that stuff is awesome. Um, but that's, a, again, for a player like him and his role on this team, that's a bonus. They need defenders in the worst way. And the fact that he is not able to put his stamp on the game on the defensive end of the floor is really frustrating, especially for a guy that has shown that in the past, maybe not always consistently as you like, but you were just wondering, okay, can he string it together? And it's not just that he's stringing it together. It's like everything's unraveled. Like he's not connected to screen. You know, he cannot get around screens, which has been bothering him since his rookie year. He's still overhelping on offense, but now it's just the like screen he's not- stuff is the screen stuff is stupid. The overhelping I get the screen stuff is stupid. You just got to be better. Like I want Kyrie Irving is not known as a great defender. And I watched that dude hustle over screens yes. all night tonight. And Josh green runs into a screen. Like it's the first time he's ever seen one every fucking time. Yeah. That's. And then, you know, he's not his one-on-one defense isn't like it. Just, there's just nothing like to, to, to look at. That's like this. He's doing a great, like his passing is still there. He still makes like one or two passes that are really nice. He, he should have had fours. He had three assists. He should have had four. He made yeah. a really nice pass to Jones on the break that Jones got blocked uh, from behind. Um, so, like, the talent's still there. It's just he was kind of like a ball of clay his first few seasons because of the unfortunate circumstance of his development with his call. You know, I don't think he played started playing basketball, so he was a little bit older. Then his college season gets short with COVID. Yeah. His rookie season gets cut short with COVID, basically. Like, he's not playing a lot. Like, he didn't get to go to his first two summer leagues because of the pandemic and, and national team stuff. And it's like, okay, like uh, he's going to be a slow, slow burn because of the way his professional career started, which is very unique, but he's had multiple training camps. Now this is his fourth season in the NBA. Like we're getting farther and farther away from that type of excuse. And again, I'm not knocking him because he's not scoring 12 points. Well, he's a getting game. chances. He's yeah, getting it's plenty just, of chances. Yeah. This I is just, not like him getting pulled after seven minutes of action. Right. And again, I don't care that he scored three points. Is it great? No. But Derrick Jones Jr. scored zero, and he contributed way more in this game than mm-hmm. Green did. So again, it's not the scoring. It's I just need to see some consistency on the defensive end. And it just and it for a guy as athletic as him and as quick as him, it just does not make sense. I understand that he's a little small, so like, yeah, he's not going to guard Giannis. He's not going to guard these big wings, but he's the type of guy that like against the date. Like you look at this roster, it's like who guards Damian Lillard? It needs to be Josh Green. He needs to be the point of attack guy. And if you can't navigate screens, you cannot be a point of attack defender. Um, there's as many pick and rolls that get run in the NBA every night. Like if you can't navigate screens, how are you going to be a point of attack defender? Because that's like the main thing you have to do to stay connected to ball handlers uh, on the floor. So yeah, I don't know. The, again, I, the shooting, the, the scoring, I, I'm it's whatever the defense, like I I'm just stunned that he's not making more of an impact on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. That's a shame. Yep. And, you know, had the Mavericks somehow pulled one out tonight, we probably still would have talked about it, but it just, it stands out more in a loss. And like that number, that negative 27, while single game plus minus is not really a thing, is pretty dang whoa kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's another loss where they give up 130, like, you know, every single game they've been giving up points. Like, it's not like they lost, but they, it was a rock fight. Like they lost and they couldn't get a stop again. And this is one of the guys on the roster that you want to get stops from. So, right. You know? 
Well, I saw something in the chat earlier. I can't find it, but it was basically a criticism saying this offense still feels too heliocentric. It's my turn, your turn with Kyrie Irving. I don't agree with that generally. I do agree with that in the second in the fourth quarter tonight. Like there was a lot of like, and granted, Kyrie was hitting shots, so it's <laughs> it's okay. But like, can we run an action? Can we do something? They did um, in the third quarter, which was funny. <laughs> Lucas so screened for like, Kyrie in the third quarter, and Kyrie got a right, bucket. <laughs> right, it's it's that was an interesting thing. It's it's you know when I so when isolation play works, you don't care, and when <laughs> you lose a game, it's it's really easy to be like, ah, this is part of the problem. So I I, I thought um, this is oh, that's a funny question. I mean, they got the heliocentric stuff. You talk about it like not working, but they they got six corner threes in the fourth quarter, and they missed five of them. Mm-hmm. This you is know, a good. Th- you this is you, a- make, you make three of those miss. You know you mi- you make three of those five misses, and I don't think people are like ah why are they why are they healing they, they generated pretty good looks in the fourth. They just didn't make them. Yeah, this is a funny <laughs> question. I just I feel the need to to actually bring it up in the chat. Okay. Uh, Fan one two three says any Mavs media member going to go up to Josh Green face to face and actually call him out? Um, That's for. Not- <laughs> well, for logistical purposes, I know this is this is why I want to explain this. Like for logistical purposes, the media doesn't really get to do that anymore. Uh, they bring out guys to talk to the media in these press settings, and they tend to only bring out two to three guys, and that's if you're lucky. There's Jason Kidd always speaks, and then you get a chance with other players. Josh Green, I don't think, has been brought out to talk the entire year. So there's not really an opportunity to do that post game. Now there's practices and there's times where uh, the folks who do go to the, the, you know, the day-to-day, your beat coverage, kind of your Brad Townsend, your um, Grant Afseth, who who are there and kind of just have to go through the slog. They're not going to do that. Why are they not going to do that? Because it ruins a relationship. If you're like, Hey, friendo, why are you not playing very well? Even if it's fair, they're just not going to do it. I understand why it frustrates you, but, I used to not understand this either, but now I understand kind of the relationship parts of it. And it's, it's, it's tough. It's that sort of thing just isn't going to happen. Now green, when he does speak to media is always candid. He's not a guy who runs from stuff. Um, so I think that the next time he does get made available, uh, he'll probably be willing to address his struggles. Like he'll probably note it, but he's just, I don't know. I just, I, I feel bad for the green of it all because he's sort of a butt of, of, um, he's sort of emblematic of a larger conversation where the team made great strides this off season. This team, I think we're all pretty confident and we should be confident that they are a playoff team. They're a playoff team, not a, a play in team, a playoff team. Um, at least that's my opinion. What do you think, Josh? I think so too. I think that they're definitely, I mean, I'm going to write about it, I think next week, but there are definitely some some aspects where you could be a little worried that it oh, might yeah, not be that much of a lock, but still. Worried, but yeah. they're not a top two seed. Like, yeah. if they would have won tonight, they would have been the number one team in the Western Conference. Did you know <laughs> that? I, I did not know that. They would have been the nine. They would have been t- uh, So they're nine and three right now. They would have been 10 and three because the, the Nuggets yeah. lost. Um, <laughs> and so it's like the, the Mavericks are not the number one team in the conference. They are probably safely a five, six, maybe four team if they're very lucky and injuries can take things sideways. And what a game like tonight does and what a Nuggets game definitely does um, is expose how the things that they still have to improve. You know, the size thing isn't going to be fixed overnight. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. It's very important. The size but, thing is a roster thing. It's not a 
and maybe it'll happen this year but like do you do you give up all like to get a little bigger at the four which is a position you can address in free agency like it really really is dallas mavericks i swear there are a bunch of six nine guys that exist that you can play um but you know nako also this is a great comment nine and four is a great start for the mavs the national media didn't think they would be this good we didn't think they would be this good so i'm like big picture pretty okay you know they might get slapped tomorrow night by the kings because the kings are a bit of a handful and kind of the, the but you know the mavericks could be fine like i just i don't know I, I i i tend to and this is just you know me making myself the main character but i tend to to think that given how i'm prone to overreactions if i'm not super worried at this point i don't think you should be either yeah yeah for sure i mean they've got i mean i think the thing that everyone would almost agree with is you feel pretty confident and then when they're playing bad teams, which is not something anyone felt last season. Um, so that's a win. And really, if you think about like making the playoffs, it's all about who beats the bad team. Like if you beat the bad teams and 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 just you don't even have to worry about who you beat outside of that. Like if you lose all your games to like top four seeds, but you beat all the lottery teams, you're going to make the playoffs because <laughs> there's more lottery teams than there are top four seeds. Uh, hopefully I'm doing my math right, but I'm pretty sure that's right. So again, you know, I, I feel pretty confident in them when they're playing a bad team because this offense is just too good for teams that are, you know, not, not prepared for them on that end. There's definitely some, some things that could go sideways for them, which I don't feel like talking about tonight, you know, in terms of like, Hey, the defense is still way too bad. Um, and they're getting some really good shooting from spots of the floor that you don't normally would think that they would be shooting so well from, you know, above the break threes primarily. So it's like, okay, what if they hit a cold spell and their defense still looks like this? Then, yeah, they might slump and they might start losing some games. But they haven't lost two in a row yet, I don't think, all season. So we'll wait. We'll wait and see when that happens. I think it's best, you know, get to Thanksgiving, maybe get to Christmas then we can readjust and see where this team's at. But, you know, right now, like I said, yeah, like you said, no no reason to hit a panic button at all, for sure. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I have the next live show scheduled in about five minutes. I would love it if you all backed out of this, hopped into that show, and waited for me, and came and talked a little basketball with me for, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. Here's the thing, though. We also play again tomorrow night. We, like, I'm a member of the team. Um so yeah, we'll we'll try to keep it brief, and then we'll have a good time uh, talking hoops, and we'll be back at this uh, tomorrow night, six thirty start time local. Um, and then I also got to write the recap tonight because we dropped the ball on that one. But it's a Saturday night. It's a Saturday night game. I don't think anybody's coming to Mavs Moneyball for uh, the the hot off the press coverage. All right, team. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. This has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow. We will talk with you guys soon. Go Mavs. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.